It's going to be like Squaresoft Games. Yeah, they were um, Breath of Fire, weren't they? <laughs> Are you recording that? Oh, you shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. My entire gaming knowledge is a lie. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens, mutants, and hybrids of all of those things, welcome to the Finger Guns podcast. Uh, I can't even see finger guns tonight. You said finger buns. I know. <laughs> finger buns. Finger <laughs> buns. Oh, dear. If you ever open up a bakery, you've got to call it that. that oh, so you missed true. out fairies. Animals. They're, they're, they're animals? hybrids. They're hybrids. Uh, Fucking weirdo furries. Well, okay. Let's just start this off by introducing you. <laughs> Tonight, I'm joined by the grenade, Greg Hicks. Hello. Why am I a grenade? I don't know. Because I, I go off in my hand. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Um, th- thanks for that. How are it's you? Right. You don't like editing these, do you? So that's going to go out now. Yeah, that's going to go out. Hooray. <laughs> How are you doing? First, first innuendo of the session. I am very well. I've had a fun working week. Um, I can't go into reasons why, but yeah. I'm okay. And Toby, Assault Rifle Anderson, how are you? Well, I like that one. It's better than the grenade. What's wrong with being a grenade? Nothing at all. Why has it got to be quantity? Why has yours got to be better than mine? Just, you know, if you were packing an assault rifle, it'd be better than just one grenade, I think. Uh, That's true. I I, I will be Sean Shotgun Davies. You might win with that, actually. Well, we'll see. How How are you, Toby? I'm good, thank you very much. I'm full of uh, homemade toad in the hole that I made from scratch myself to this evening. Wow, like Actually, totally. Did you catch the toad yourself? Yeah. And then awesome. made them into sausages. Um, and and some mint ice cream as well to finish it off. Wow. Little chaser. That's, that's very delicate. That, that's like a, a the, the quintessential British meal. Yeah. Mm. All by mint ice cream. <laughs> it was mint good. Ice cream, yes. And after it, mint. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, if you hear a scream or anything from downstairs, it's not anyone being murdered. Meg is watching a scary movie, um, so any what screaming is, is her not me. sounds like the worst alibi ever. Yeah, I'm just making sure there's an alibi right at the beginning. <laughs> what if is you've, got, you've got a Bluetooth headset on, so you can't really get away with it. <laughs> I can go anywhere, and the screaming could, yeah, it just exactly, could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> what is she watching? Uh, she's watching Us on uh, Netflix. Oh, oh, it's a banging film. That, is it on Netflix now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah, I bought that in the last week. couple of days. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I bought that last month on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. I, I sat down on Saturday morning to watch that with the wife, and the moments where they're standing in the driveway and they're all standing very still, and yeah. then she claps and goes, and then they all kind of go off on their own direction. <laughs> My wife freaked the fuck out. It's great. <laughs> it's a good film. It's, a good, it's it's that like it's I I don't tend to like American horror films, but um. Is it jo- it's Jordan Peele, isn't it? Jordan Peele, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the fact that he's mastered the like the the weird character. It reminded me of, like the Grudge and the Ring and stuff. Yeah. Like that weird, the weird body, not body dysmorphia, um, body. Oh, what's the word? Like body horror. You know, where they're moving around all freaky. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed yeah. it. And the, da- the, the dance fighting scene was good. Yes, it was. There's, there's a lot of plot holes in that film, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> what was the previous one he did? Get Out, wasn't it? Get yes. Out, right? yeah. Yeah, 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 that was good too. Yes. Like those. Anyway, yeah. So if there's a screen, that's what it is. Okay. Nice. 
not murder. Nothing. nothing. You've got to go down there and be like, "Hi, Meg." Really <laughs> <freak her> <laughs> you know, she got me. She gets me with her little. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You've got to get her back. I'll, I'll yeah. do it back to her. Yeah. On the first. <laughs> Just really freak the shit out of her. <laughs> This is going to be the weirdest start to a podcast ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, shall we get some structure to it and do Game of the Week? Oh, go on then. Okay, let's start with Game of the Week, and let's start with Greg. Greg, what is your Game of the Week? My Game of the Week is the game I was playing obsessively last week, but my review came out on Tuesday. It's Peco Caravan on the Switch. I fucking love that game. I think I've put as nearly as many hours into it as I have um, Hades. Wow. Because it's so addictive. It's basically car snake. It's it's snake with cars. That's all it is. Yeah, it's it's somewhat isometric. I know Toby hates that word because it's like not full isometric, but not quite top down. But yeah, you, you pick up power-ups that add a randomized number of cars or caravans to the back of your big long tail. And there are some secondary objectives in there. And you got to like knock over traffic cones. Every level is different. It's so cool and quirky. And I fucking love it. Like, I hadn't got as far. There's, there's 15 levels at the moment. And I got to like level nine when I reviewed it. And even then, like, the variety was cool. Um, there's one where you're, you're, you're in a, a farm. You're a harvester and you're harvesting wheat. So one of the objectives is, like, collecting all the wheat. There's one where you're on a lawnmower, for example. And then um, the other night, I, I messaged the Slack. And I went, you're in a supermarket and you're a trolley. It's so cool. And then when you add more car, like quote-unquote cars they're all more trolleys and every time you collect power up shopping goes in the baskets so then when you drive through the tills it tallies the there's like another um secondary objective for uh like scanning 100 items so you've got a chain of trolleys with shopping in and then you you lead the train through the tills and it starts counting them all down it's it's funny little objectives like that that make it hilarious and it's got that one more like it's it's there's, there's no real control scheme to it. You've got steering left and right. Uh, most cars will jump, and that's got a cooldown period. And some are like quicker cooldowns than others. Some take a bit longer. And you've got a handbrake, which almost lets you sort of correct your position on a dime. You don't control your acceleration. You can slow yourself down a bit, but you can't stop. And yeah, it's snake with cars, but it's amazing. And when we were offered it, and I saw the trailer and thought, yeah, go on then. And like I said in my review, that bit on Ratatouille where the critic, I can't remember his name, like the really po-faced one, when he has the, the bite of food and it has that thing where it goes through his face and he gets like the kid's face and it comes back to him, you know, the love of food and all that kind of stuff. It was like that. In a world of so many serious games, and I'm playing like Horizon Zero Dawn at the moment, which is artistic and all that kind of crap. In a world of super serious games and 30-hour run times, this has just been like, um, like eye candy and it's like funky little music and all that kind of stuff. And it's on mobile as well, if, if you don't want to buy it on Switch, but I haven't played that version. I don't know if it's got any microtransactions or anything like that, but the Switch version hasn't. And it's just fun. It's just a fun video game, which just should remind people why we love video games in the first place. I am a big fan of your review. Oh, Thanks. And I am a big fan of this whole kind of wave of games that are out on mobile that are okay and they get brought to the Switch. All of the microtransaction crap gets stripped out 
and you're left with just this awesome core gameplay. Yeah, because like, um, ha hashtag drive was like that as well. Yeah, actually, uh, like uh, tens that I reviewed like a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Which is basically like reverse Sudoku. It's like so many good mobile games coming to. There's another game called Zed, um, which is um, a really cool puzzle game as well. Just like it's great that mobile games are finding a second life on Switch. I'm just well, that's the perfect console for, it, isn't it? It is, and especially you know, especially that I'm playing mine, especially because I've got a, a light switch, um, fucking switch light, sorry, <laughs> just because I've got it's it's the perfect like mode for it. They would yeah. you could you could obviously play them on the big screen, but it would kind of be wasted. Like actually being able to lie there and play it just reminded me of like Game Boy days and obviously PSP days and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I genuinely don't know anyone that uses their switch in the TV anymore. It's it's like another DS, you know. I don't know oh, a single okay. person that ever plugs them in. Like my kids have, we've got two, we've got three switches in our house, and not a single one of them is docked ever. Yeah. So it's it's it is a, a great handheld. Which I did write off as a gimmick, but you know, I am I, know. I am very, as we'll come to you later on. I'm I'm pretty good at eating my own words. So. Oh okay. I'm looking bah, forward bah, to that. <laughs> um, Toby, what is your game of the week? Um, so my game of the week, I've kind of got one game of the week, but then a comment on the other game that I got annoyed with. Um, so it's kind of two, but not really. Um, I'd agree with straight away, uh, handheld mode on Switch is the only way to go. Um, I don't think I've used the TV mode at all since I rebought the Switch. Um, and I only used it before that for Breath of the Wild because I wanted that on the big screen. Um, but nothing else. If I had Hades, I'd play that on the little screen. I played all the other ones on the little screen. I'm playing my game of the week on the little screen, Bravely Default 2. Um, so I've got into that a lot more now, put about 10 hours into that over the course of this week. It's big, it's gonna take forever for me to play um, because there's other things going on at the same time and you can never quite get to it, but it's really lovely. Um, the story of four heroes of light is a very Square Enix, you know, sort of, it's there and it's not it's, it's well trodden ground for square enix at the moment but um the actual characters are really nice they've got you know good voice actors in there good good storyline around it um and yeah i'm just really really enjoying it just finding you know you have to find the missing crystals just like you are rebalance the world just like all of the four warriors of light sort of games um but what i would say is that the, the um the time it's had between demo, which is about a year ago, and release has really been good to it. It's 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 made what's good to to make it great, if you see what I mean. Um, there's a lot of grind in that particular studio's games. So the original Bravely Defaults, Octopath Traveler, and this now Bravely Default 2, there's a huge amount of grinding in those games because it's they're quite hard. Um, and they 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 have difficult uh, systems in the battles that you need to learn, and it, you can't just you know, melee your way through everything. Um, so you, if you are going to not learn all of the tactics, you have to then get pretty, um, pretty strong in order to beat the bosses. So there's a lot of grind in there. But they've, what they've done since demo time is take out that sort of instead of, instead of taking out the grind, they've added all these um, good options to make grinding easy. So they've, you can speed up battles to up to four times the speed, which is really fun. Like you can just enter the commands and it just goes boom like this they're just slashing everything left right and center um and then you, you know 
And then two seconds later, it'll go, oh, do you want to make a new action with the next character? I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> because it's happened so fast. Um, but that gets you through battles. Like, I, I'm just speeding through a dungeon at the moment, just grinding levels. And each battle takes, like, 30 seconds. It's nothing. Um, you get all these brave points as well. And you can use all the brave points, like, up to four times at the beginning of a battle, which means you can go four, you can have four turns straight off, which makes grinding really easy. Because you don't have to wait for the enemy to really even get their turn for ages. Um, auto speech sections, fully voiced. You can navigate all of this stuff about enemy weaknesses and things. They've just taken all the stuff that people said, you know, why don't you have this um, when they had it as a demo? And they've just managed to do all of that stuff within the last year, um, which has made it which has made it really fun, really, really good to play and very handheld. It feels like a very like an RPG that you can take five minutes, 10 minutes here and there and just grind a bit and then go in the next bit. And no story section has taken more than 10 minutes at a time for me at all. I think it's it's just been very well uh, balanced. And then the uh, the other complaint was about Valhalla. So um, do you know, I think we said maybe two weeks ago when I started on Valhalla that I couldn't find the right, um, I couldn't find a good good equipment anywhere. Um, and I was saying to Sean, you, you said, you know, you have to go go around this place, then find some equipment, then go on to the next place. You you know, you, you won't find all this great equipment. And I, I've, I've realized why. They've changed the system, haven't they? God damn them. They've changed the way it works from yeah. our, our and I didn't realize for about 15 hours what had happened. So it's it's the um the skill points, like this the great big sphere grid, like from Final Fantasy X, where you where you pick in all your skills and stuff. That is the power, because it's actually got all these RPG things in it. It's a level-based RPG, and I didn't really realize how much it was. It whereas Odyssey is a loot-based you know, equipment grinder thing where you where you're getting you know a couple of stats extra on every every hundred pieces of equipment that drop. Um, so it was a very different system there. So I've I got got annoyed with it in that respect. But now now I know what I need to do. You can grind for levels and then move on to the next place. And I haven't had to look for equipment at all, which is great because I don't want to look for equipment. I just want to go through the story. Yeah, and you can you can take your equipment. You know the blacksmith. Mm. Um, so in your village, if you go to the blacksmith with the right stuff, you can upgrade that stuff from whatever it is to the next version of it. He gives you like a few more upgrade squares on it and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, um, they, they get more potent. Um, so cool. uh, you... Well, I should do a bit more of that probably, but yeah, it's... Uh, and the other thing that was annoying me is um, that Asgard and Jotunheim section... There's there's a section where you go into like a mythological bit without yeah. spoiling anything. That there's a mythological dream section, right? And it's obviously Valhalla, so it's like Asgard and Jotunheim, without saying any story. But that section is just so boring. Like yeah. it's full of really really boring fetch quests and a plot that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And it just took me out of everything else I was doing with Sigurd and the taming the wilds of England. I was loving all of that story. And then I just got into this thing. It just slowed me down to an absolute crawl for four hours. And I was just like, fuck that. And I just gave up on the game for a week. Yeah. If that's going to happen when I get to Jotunheim as well, because I've just, just got to Jotunheim now. I'm just like, oh, fuck those two sections, man. So, it's not worth it. You know that you don't have to do these sections, right? <laughs> yes, but if you want to level up, you need to do the questing bits that get you the good experience. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is with these ones, that they, they are completely optional. They they aren't totally required. So no. if you do them, you will end up being over-leveled for your next, you know, and, and that does make the game significantly more fun because you don't have to, you know, you don't spend as much of the fight on the back foot. But I've been I've been on what level 
you go from there's two areas of level 90 and then there's two areas of like level 130 and then yeah. level 160 so i've been you know having to grind just a tiny little bit at the end of each one before i attempt the next one but yeah. then i found that i needed to go back and do asgard and finish it off because i wasn't getting anywhere near the right level so i don't yeah. think i'm going to get to the point where i'm over leveled but i, I but I, i'm using them though they are two very boring sections i'm using them to make sure my level is is kept to you know topped up to the right amount mm. um although the one there is one last bit isn't there and like one of the last places you go where you need like 340 level and i'm like yeah. uh is that a bit actually necessary <laughs> do you need to get to that level because i'm not sure i can be bothered there's so there's those quests are you talking about like the the witches or? i don't know i actually don't know yet uh, I mean, there's two or three areas that have far higher level command uh, uh, yeah. tag on them. Yeah, this is like in-game content. They're, they're okay. spread out, um, and you will eventually. Come... I may not need them. Uh, it's it's all to do with gear. It's one of these, you know, these gear quests where um, you, you basically end up in a fight in each one of these places, and the the enemies are really highly leveled. But if you defeat them, you end up with being able to get this really cool piece of armor from a place. So, cool. yeah, it's it's worth doing at the end. You know, I'll bear I, in mind if I'm still interested at the end, then I'll do it. It's but, it's it's three really cool fights. But I don't be. think I'm going to be interested. That's the trouble. Well, three fights. Come on. Yeah, but it's not three fights, is it? It's like finding your way around an entire area again. It's like five hours per oh, fight. This game sounds really boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. On on your comments about JRPGs and the whole like Bravely Default to having the times four stuff. Mm. That should come as standard for JRPGs, as far as I yeah. Concerned. I used it a lot in the first one, and I then used it with the two times battle speed in the Final Fantasy VIII remaster. I was just going to say that, that like yeah. the Final Fantasy VII and Final it Fantasy was on VIII. the Final Fantasy VIII one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it, it just, just makes it so much better. It makes you realize yeah. how fucking monotonous and boring turn-based battles were in old-style <laughs> RPGs. Like yeah. that was all we knew. And then when when the new active battle systems came out, everyone went, "No, that is a bullshit." And then when you play something like Final Fantasy VII or VIII or even Bravely Default as normal speed, you go. God, I haven't got this many hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I haven't got this much time to play these things. Why did we sit <laughs> around in these worlds? Like, why did yeah. we spend so many years just going, oh, it's my turn to attack? Yeah, <laughs> like everyone going, Final Fantasy VII is a 70-hour epic. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like a, it's a good evolution in, in game mechanics, isn't it? Because you can, you can see why things have moved on the way they have. And when you go back, it's such a sharp, you know, this is, this is not, yeah, exactly. Right, going back like this. That's why I quite like the what what they did with the Final Fantasy VII remake because it's both. You know. Yeah. You've got that is bars a cool system, and you've got active combat, which I just think is like the best of both worlds. To be honest, it was um, they everyone got up in arms about Final Fantasy thirteen, wasn't it? That changed the well 12 changed it a bit anyway but then 13 had these like they weren't quite turn-based battles and 13 was just shit but though but yeah but i think that evolution of turn-based battles was necessary it just wasn't a good game for it to happen in um but i think the combat was actually a step towards you know the one we have in 15 which is not great but the one we have in the remake for, of seven which is great yeah sure game of the week sean um, I playing... <laughs> yes. was I going on too long there, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> covered, hits, you, covered hits, three nudge, nudge. you covered three different things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Valhalla. It's we're we're missing a person or two. I thought I would, um, you know, flesh Find it out. It out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be charging, we'll be charging podcast views by the hour now. <laughs> yep. 
two key two. Yeah, it was a worthwhile discussion. I enjoyed. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I is a is a is a noted point. Like it does make me realize how how much time we we kind of wasted on old RPGs. Oh yes, I wouldn't change. I mean, I say I wouldn't change them, like because they're classics. But now you look back and you, God, wow, that was. Yeah, but you don't need to spend another 70 hours replaying it. It's no. nice to replay it at 25 hours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, uh, I, I think that if, if we can get those mechanics in, like Persona 5, for example, mm. uh, sorry, Persona 4 Golden was a pain in the ass for it. I, I literally spent 150 hours playing that game and I was halfway through. And <laughs> I, I wow. have no, yeah. So I would, I would absolutely kill for a, like a speed up for the dungeons in there because God almighty. Um, well, I had 150 hours on Persona 5 when I finished it, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine doubling that? Yeah, it's ridiculous, really. That's insane. Anyway, um, my game of the week. So I, I've been playing a lot of games I can't talk about because of embargoes, etc. But the one game that I can talk about is called The Life and Suffering of Sir Branty, uh, which is a, a kind of a text adventure slash interactive fiction. You basically play through a book, like a choose-your-own-adventure, you play as a named character from this uh, family, the Branty family, in this really freaking horrible world where everyone is born into a particular class. You're either a noble-born, you're either a commoner or a holy person. And you are you have to work your entire life to try and change the class. There, you, it's, it's not something that you can do easily. And in your childhood, it is beaten into you that your lot in life is to work and never get any reward for it. And it is a brutal game where, you know, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of symbolism in this game that's like on classic systems. And there's also a lot of stuff which is completely unique to this game, narrative-based-wise, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen it before, where you're basically trading in tragedies. So you have a, a limited amount of willpower. And you can spend this willpower on decisions and it's whenever you want to exert your will on a situation as a player, not a character, then you have to spend this willpower. So for example, if, if you walk into a room and you see a character beating your sister, if you want to try and stop that, you have to exert will because the default answer that will cost you no will is to walk away and let it happen. But when you spend your willpower, you have to have to have these willpowerless situations, like walking away from somebody who's getting a beatdown, um, to restore your willpower. So you have to pick your battles, and you're never quite sure what's around the corner. And so, so often in the game, you're like, "I'm going to do this because I'm I'm like on a roll. I think I'm going to make a good choice." And then two minutes later, you've got another decision, which is like a life and death decision. And because you tried to get something good, you're now having to suffer through something utterly heart-wrenching. And it's a very well-written game. I know it's not going to be for everyone. It's a text adventure, for God's sake. So unless you like reading books, you're not going to like this game. But I enjoyed it a hell of a lot. And there's a review on the website, should you want some more in-depth stuff. So that was my game of the week. Shall we do a sounds, quiz? Sounds very Shawnee. It was. It was. It, I mean, we didn't even ask for a code and they sent it. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to try it. They know this. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, was, it was well worth it. I mean, it's it's like 12, 15 hours long. And the first playthrough is, but you can replay chapters after that. And I'll be honest with you, there's some of the, some of the like avenues I've been down. 
it's it's good. It's gonna gonna be one of the games that stay with me for a while when I think about cool. narrative based games. I would highly advise if you like that kind of stuff just to give it a go. Um, just e- even if it's just like for the first three chapters, which are only a couple of hours long, it's well worth a go. So quiz time. Do you have your patient notes, Toby? Quiz time, children. Yeah. Okay, if you've never listened to this podcast before, welcome to the Finger Guns podcast. I said Finger Guns this time. Um, <laughs> He's learning. I know, I know. I can, my mouth is now up to speed. We're going to do a quiz. I'm going to ask these guys 10 questions all about video game trivia. And at the end of the podcast, we'll get the answers and we'll find out who has won. Uh, currently, Greg is on an absolute tear. Did you get half the, comp- half the competition's gone, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this your way of winning the quiz? Is to- do we need to start worrying about Toby now? I, I, didn't, push, <laughs> I didn't push Ross over. <laughs> no, no. But you, you did organise it. I think that's yeah, it. The so. more you lose, then, then you just want to leave the whole thing. <laughs> well, I've just bullied out the competition. Yeah, you just... I've taken yeah. the fun out of it and the others have gone fine. Yeah. Well, well, if I can't beat Greg, there's no point anymore. Um, should mention... Um, if anyone doesn't know, we said last week that Roscoe is off because um, he's not well. Um, if anyone knows him, then they'll know why. If anyone doesn't, it's not liberty for us to say on here. But drop him a message. Just, you know, just check up on him. See if he's all right. Because I'm sure he really appreciate that. Because we did miss him on here. And, yeah. you know, he is our hostess for the mostest. And uh, it's weird not having, no offense, Sean, it's just weird not having Ross with his little jingles and stuff. Mate, I'm, I am dying for him to come back because my mouth, <laughs> the amount of, like, Luke. I am I am a little bit special in the head and <laughs> <laughs> I am diagnosed as being a little bit special in the head. That isn't me just be like, so my mouth doesn't work very well. <laughs> so to do a podcast and to have me hosting is like the worst idea, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Please. I think you do a pretty good job. Roscoe, yeah. Roscoe's Twitter is in the description of this podcast, whatever you're listening to it. So um, if you want to go and drop him a message on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, just, just wish him well. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit laid up. So just, you know, just check up on him. And he's also got an album out. So go and listen to it. It's called Walking Home From Nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. yeah. It's on Spoofy and all that and Apple and it'll have it on his profile, you know. It, it, it's a, a good lesson. You should give it a lesson. Walking Home From Nowhere by Ross Keniston. It's on Spotify. It's cool. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay. Question one. Who played Max Payne in the 2008 Max Payne film? Oh, you didn't try and say titular. No, I didn't. Oh, boo. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Please say it. (laughs) It's titular. Anyway. um... (laughs) That just sounds like like he's evolved. Yes. Into a giant titular version of Max Payne. Yes, words of Pokemon. That's right, Greg. Um, <laughs> question one, who played Max Payne in the 2008 Max Payne film? Okay, question two. Far Cry 2 takes place on which continent? The one with the terrible accents. Question two, Far Cry 2 takes place on which continent? I was really trying to think of like a fictional continent then, but actually I think it's not, is it? It's it's a real one. I think I know. It's fine. It's a, it's a fictional country on... on yeah, the- a fictional country, real continent. Yes, okay. <laughs> I was going to give you a really weird answer then. I'll give you another <laughs> one. I, uh, I want to know what that weird answer was. I can't remember <laughs> what it's called, but I, it's, it, there's, 
Is it Krayat or something that's from? Is that Far Cry Four? Kiriat. Kiriat. That's yeah. That's um, Far Cry Four. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. Is it head. real? It's not a real place. No, it? it's not real. That's not real either. I thought it was. No. <coughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, question three. Uh, which game holds the record for the longest time in development, originally beginning development in 1997, before finally releasing in 2011? Question three, which game holds the record for longest development time, originally beginning development in 1997, before finally releasing in 2011? Mm. Think Greg's just got it. No, Greg's just Googled if Kiriat was a real place. Oh. <laughs> it's a fictional Himalayan country derived from the Kiriat ethnicities of Nepal and northern India. Oh, okay. Now back to Googling the answers. <laughs> really, Google was open and very available just there. Uh, it was Wikipedia, actually. <laughs> okay, question four The Konami code first appeared in which game? Oh, fuck, I hate this question. It's not the one I always think it is, but then it is, and it's obvious, and I hate that I always get it wrong. But is it is it the one you think it is because you remembered the right answer this time? I don't know. Did... <laughs> <laughs> I don't You're think it's the one I think right it out is. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the one it's famous for, but I don't I don't think that's the first game. And then when you tell me it is, I'm gonna go, ah. Oh, I don't fucking know. Well it's not the one you think it is, Greg. Can we do <laughs> can you do the know what I'm thinking of though? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so question four, the Konami code first appeared in which game? Do you know the Konami code? Do I know? Do we know it? Off by yeah. heart? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, that's all I'm Sorry. asking. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you testing us? Are you quizzing us on the quiz? It's in the middle of a quiz, yes. Right I've cheated on, the, on games enough times to, to remember that. Yeah. Off by heart. <laughs> um, okay, question five. The school in the original... Silent Hill bears a striking <laughs> resemblance to the school from which 1990 comedy action movie? Uh, I know one. So question five, the school in the original Silent Hill bears a striking resemblance to the school from which 1990 comedy action movie? Okay, question six. What colour are Kirby's shoes? Oh, fuck. Do you actually wear shoes? Oh, of course he does, yeah. Question six. What colour are Kirby's shoes? All I can and... think about is that is that meme where he takes his shoes off and he's got realistic human feet. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever see, you ever seen that picture? Yes, it's gross. <laughs> it's like Mario and his nipples. What? Oh, has he has he not got any from Barry Odyssey or something? I know he has. He has, he nipples. has nipples in a in that infamous uh, piece of advertising for it. Yeah, where well, he runs he runs down a like a sandy hill. Yeah, yeah. And they seem to be wobbling in the breeze. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Question seven. Hardline Vietnam and 2142 are all subtitles for entries in which video game series? Question seven, Hardline Vietnam and 2142 are all subtitles for entries in which video game series? 2142. 
Mm. Wow. Well, that's the one. I th that's the one that's giving me the clue. That the twenty-one forty-two one. Oh, is it? That oh, was a nineteen forty-two. Oh, I'm just giving the answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think Toby just worked it out. Yeah, I think I got it. Yeah, I think I got it. Okay, question eight. Which video game is loosely based on the 14th century poem The Divine Comedy? That I have tattooed around my wrist. Oh, that's not very not, whole, not the whole poem. Because... <laughs> <laughs> just the hellscape. Yeah. I've got I've got the warning at the start of the entrance to hell. Oh yeah. In Latin, I got the actual grammar done right and everything. So grammar, I'd right? I'd feel like I write twice if I had it spelt wrong, innit? <laughs> okay, question eight. Which video game is loosely based on the 14th century poem, The Divine Comedy? Okay, question nine. Which near automata character was has okay. been a guest character in both Final Fantasy XIV and Soul Calibur Seven? There's only one real character in that game, isn't there? I think that's the only one that anyone cares about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> so question nine. Which near Atomata character has been a guest character in both Final Fantasy XIV and Soul Calibur Seven? I always remember them because that is the shorthand I used for my own name for a long time. Oh. I don't get it. <laughs> of course this anyway <laughs> question nerd <laughs> <laughs> says the king nerd <laughs> okay, finally question 10 which of these Elder Scrolls spin-off games have I made up an Elder Scroll legend battle spire Elder Scrolls legends storm key or the Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim pinball Question 10, which of these Elder Scrolls spin-off games did I make up? Was it an Elder Scroll Legend Battle Spire, Elder Scrolls Legends Storm Key, or the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Pinball? Pinball just sounds like a mod. <laughs> and that was your could for this week. All right, sent you my answers. How did you find it? Yeah. Mm, pretty good. I'm going to kick myself with the Konami carried on. Pretty confident on that one, I think. Wow. Okay. Shall we move on to our first topic of the week? So, this week it was announced that a Polish developer called Forever Entertainment will be working with Square Enix on several remakes of titles which will reportedly all be from the same brand uh, that the publisher owns. Uh, these remakes will feature a new graphic design, but the gameplay and scenario will remain unchanged. We've got no hints on what series or games this will be for, but Forever Entertainment recently did the Panzer Dragoon remake and have already announced that they're working on remakes of The House of the Dead, House of the Dead 2, and Panzer Dragoon 2. So it looks like we're going to get a remake or several remakes of something from Square Enix. And I'll be honest with you, I think we all got pretty excited about this when this news broke. Is that true? Yeah, I got yeah. a semi. It got a semi. Wow. 
<laughs> in trouble is the more I look back at the Panzer Dragoon remake, the more it I'm like, shit. it's not really been that that ramped up. But it wasn't that good the first time round. Yeah. No. I, so I, I'm sort I, of it, I'm sort of umming and ahhing now. I mean, it was a Saturn game, so. If if you look at some of the games that Forever Entertainment have done themselves, they are not the most um, accomplished developer. So I reviewed a game not too long ago called Tiny Hands Adventure. Uh, which is the one with the little T-Rex. Yes, um, who was trying to find a way to get bigger arms in a three adventure. <laughs> it, it wasn't great, but you know there are there are there have been a couple of games that they've released in the past that have been okay. Um, I think personally, I'm I'm quite looking forward to any anything that they do because I quite like to look at that Panzer Dragoon remake, and I think a remake is now a remaster. It's not a you know, it's a. This is just a way to get these games onto new platforms that they aren't currently on. So, the first thing I wanted to ask uh, you guys was: Are we happy that Square Enix has outsourced a remake of their game, um, given Square's history with the remakes? I'm not going to ask Greg that first. Oh. Um... Well, yeah, I mean, going on priors, no, but given the back catalogue, then you kind of want them to learn from their mistakes and do something really well. Yeah. Toby? Um, There's one very recent remake, which was absolutely amazing and stellar, so that's cool, but they did that themselves. So the ones that they farm out, I'm not so confident on. Um. Two years ago, they did Secret of Mana, and the remake of that just looks shite. So the Trials one wasn't that good either. And the tri- Trials one is meant to have slightly better systems in it, but again, doesn't look no, as good I, as the original two D demo, one. and it wasn't great. Yeah, they don't look good. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm not confident. Not confident in them at all. Yeah, the, there is there has been an air that uh, Square don't really know how to remake their own games for quite a, a few years. You know, look at the Final Fantasy games every time. It comes to a new platform there's something wrong with it <laughs> like the pc um versions of a lot of the final fantasy versions are the ports yeah. of the mobile versions which are the worst versions of the game you know so it, it might be great that they're outsourcing it it also might be a bit of a bummer but we'll, we'll see secondly i want to ask obviously the the slate is open we don't know what game or games or series that they are going to make and i want to get your opinions on what you want them to make so I'm going to start with Toby this time. Toby, what should get a remake? Uh, so my it's sort of what I want and what I guess it's going to be because there's a number of criteria in that in that opening bit that you said like it has to be a series, it has to be things that not gameplay changed, but not scenario changed, but just largely a graphics update. Um, so I think it's going to be the Dragon Guard series. Okay, so that's three games that were um, the originals that Nia then uh, was a spin-off of. So you had Dragon Guard 1, 2, and 3, I think in on PS2, 2003, 2006. Um, and then Guard 3 was a little bit of a lost thing on PS3, um, like 2013, 2012, something like that. Um, so it's a franchise. It covers the basic ground of what that news report says. It has some legs because of Nia recently being very, very, very popular. And those games sold 
uh, the Dragon Guard games rather sold like a quarter of a million each or, or less, whereas Near Automata sold like five million. So it, it's that jump in popularity that provokes me to think, you know, what, if I was them, I wouldn't necessarily use Forever Entertainment, but it makes sense because they've just been making Panzer Dragoon to go back to what is essentially dragon back combat game with a sort of Musu melee sections in between each dragon back bit. So it, it's half of it is Panzer Dragoon um, already, and half of it is yeah like Dynasty Warriors style combat. Um, so I think with all those, just you know, you've got a bona fide hit on your hands with Nier um, Automata. Then you've got Nier Replicant being remade by Square themselves. Then you know it would make it just seems like a no-brainer almost for it to be Dragon Guard um, one, two, and three released over a number of years. Um, you know, to, and and rename them, rename them Nier Dragon Guard for all the stupid people in the West who can't understand when a name is different and it's a different series. You know, it it just put the Nier word on there. That seems to be what would then sell. You know, they would probably sell a million each just by having the near name on them now. Um, and that's probably enough for it to be remade and for them to have this deal. So that's my that's my thinking on it. Um, I'm not sure if it's what I want as such. What, what I, don't, do you want? I don't really want Forever Entertainment to remake something bad, uh, badly. Do you know what I mean? I, I, that's So I think the Dragon Guard games are, they're, they're already, they were fun. Like one and two, I played complete and completed uh, three I never played but they were fun enough and I think I'd play them again if they were you know in nice new graphics and they hadn't messed around with the storyline that because those stories are very near styled and, and interesting and they have some really dark elements to them they're quite good um so yeah I, I'd I'd replay those but there's there's plenty of other Squaresoft titles that I'd be like no don't touch that with a barge pole don't wreck something I like well I think I think that the the good thing about the Forever Entertainment model is the fact that they basically make the game look reasonably modern day without changing anything else. And the the, the prime kind of complaint about the uh, Panzer Dragoon remake was the fact that it didn't change the gameplay. It was like an mm. opportunity to, and they didn't take it. But yeah. for purists, like I'm like, I kind of want to play the way it was originally. You know, I understand that we've moved on a hell of a lot since then. Um, but like when I play, you know, Ratchet and Clank, the first one, you know, there's no auto hang, you know, and a platform, a 3D platform without auto, without auto hang, it's just insane. They could have put it in in the remake, but they didn't. And I quite still quite enjoy playing those games back in like how they were originally. And I think, you know, what what if if they could just bring the visuals up to date for something. And not change anything else. What would you want? <laughs> I don't think I've got a ready answer for that. There's too many things that that I'd want remade. I mean, I, I want a remake of Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, uh, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy, you know, all of the Final Fantasies almost. Um, Xenogears, you know, if you could remake the Legend, that the Mana series ones, well, I'd take that too. But they were done really badly. Um, but I, but I think the trouble is with these remakes, you do need to redo a few of the uh yeah. more old school systems you know like just like we were saying with bravely default too that you know that remakes that that has enhanced and modernized a number of things that are annoying about old games and that i don't expect i don't have time to deal with anymore so i'm i'm needing that kind of stuff to be in any kind of remake imagine this for a second though right the original final fantasy games so starting from one done mm. like the um pokemon 
um, Pearl and Diamond. Mm, they're cute. The Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening, yeah, they're cute. Like if if they could re they like give it that new art style. Uh, they if they did that to like Final Fantasy one, two, and three, then then yeah, I'd probably be with you. Final Fantasy four had that kind of thing already done to it yeah. on the DS, and that was a beautiful little remake. I really enjoyed that one. Um, they've never done five, and they should do six. Six should be redone in the style of that Final Fantasy four one. Yeah, so that, that's your answer then. You okay, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy one to six. <laughs> would be great okay i can't see it happening <laughs> no you'd, you'd, you'd fully expect square to want to do that yourself wouldn't you but yeah yeah I, what 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 made me think originally final fantasy was when they said scenario and i was like that's a really weird like not narrative not plot scenario yeah they often have that with rpgs they have scenario writers don't they very yeah. specifically named like that yeah which, which originally made me think you know it's going to be final fantasy but you know we'll see Greg, what do you what do you want it to be? Oh, I don't know. There's so many to choose from, and I was going to ask at the start, like, how many are we limiting ourselves to? Because I didn't want to run off like a massive list of my favorite SquareSoft games. Because you guys would be like, oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that one. Um, do it. Do it. Well, I'm going to now because <laughs> you've just been boring and picked Final Fantasy. Um, covering oh, the bases, right. mate. It's low hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> I mean, ideally, I mean, Vagrant Story, that needs to kick up the ass. I'd love to see that come back with better visuals and a more refined combat system that isn't just keep smacking and smacking and making your risk counter go up and your damage going down and you're plugging away and you're plugging away, but don't make it a boring, generic action adventure. Um, like, Tony said, uh, like Toby said, I keep calling him Tony because I work with the Tony, sorry. Like Toby said, you've got your Zeno gears, your Chrono Cross, um, but in the mold of things that I really want to come back, um, because we've had a, a number four from a number series about fighting games, uh, the bouncer, I fucking love the bouncer. It's one of my favorite PS2 games, but no, no, in all seriousness, if, if we're going to talk about the template of things to come back based on another franchise that's come back and remodeled itself to be amazing, uh, of course I'm talking about Resident Evil 2's remake. So in that vein, what was Squaresoft's counterpart? Parasite Eve. Exactly. Now, Parasite Eve 1 was a bit of an odd sort, really, odd sort of game. It was an early tech demo for character models for Final Fantasy VIII, so the, the human characters looked a bit janky. It had a similar battle system to Vagrant Story in that you have like your attack sphere thing that comes out of Aya, Bria, and... Because that's the that's the one that Ross knew from the quiz that he just knew having never played a Parasite Eve <laughs> game, um, and never having a PlayStation. Um, hi Ross, but the second one was a more refined experience and played like a Resident Evil, a, very, a much more tactical Resident Evil, and that you could equip different weapons with different stats and different ammo types, and she had her powers as well, and you could get certain items that you could use as refinable objects, or you could equip them and give you like power boosts. But it played like a like an over the shoulder no it wasn't over the shoulder at all it played like a top down fixed camera angle resident evil with i don't want to say a thinking man's resident evil because resident evil puzzles were bastards back in the days but like a more how do i say not not, not like a more sci-fi affair but 
I can't pick, I can't really think, I can't even talk now, fuck me. Um, I can't really describe what I mean by trying to say that Parasite Eve 2 was different to Resident Evil because it all follows the same notes, like weird sci-fi story, human genetics, all this kind of stuff. But it was a different, different enough to be to be its own thing whilst playing like a Resident Evil game. So if we saw something like that, then Parasite Eve 1 and 2, following the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake mold would be, I think it'd be welcomed like with open arms. Yeah, that's, I mean, th- that was the first game on my list. I, I think of, I, I can never hope that they would remake the, the Parasite Eve games to the level that the Resident Evil games have been, because I don't think they are as big a name. No, no. I think, you know, given the, given the right budget, they, they could have a really good stab at bring, basically bringing the visuals back to date. And I don't think there's that much that needs doing to the gameplay. I think, you know, as, as a game, I think it could be really well done uh, if they just bring the, the visuals back to today's date. And, and I'm, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, um, and Parasite Eve 2 is huge. Yeah, and I, I, just, I, I get the feeling that this would be like a decent way to bring people back to the series because I I don't know if this game, if like Parasite Eve has ever been put on other platforms. I can't remember having a PC release. It feels like a forgotten franchise that kind of really does need to be brought back because it was good. Um, the other the other games that I got on my list were Front Mission. And I say yeah, this... I was going to say Front Mission 3, but I didn't want to take that one from you. And I, I, I saying, I'm saying Front Mission because I, I get the feeling that Square are kind of done with Front Mission now. Um, because the last one, uh, it, it crashed and burned. And I, I get the feeling that if you're going to sign up a deal for another another developer to work on one of your franchises... You kind of give them one that you don't you, you don't really care too much about, so it could be odd for them to go and suddenly do a grid based, you know, well, tactics they tried, game they tried though. Front mission evolved and it was shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I just I just feel like when I was like pulling together my list, I was thinking front mission makes sense because I think they're done with front mission. Well, hang on, saying that um, left alive was front mission. It was, and that's what I say. Like the last, it was this one, and then was it front mission three? There was there was no Front Mission Three was PS One and there was Front Mission Evolved on the Three Sixty, which, yeah. which played very much like Armored Core because I think I don't think it was from software that took it over, but it was a team that had done Armored Core or something like that, so that's why it played like a well like an Armored Core game, funny enough. And then yeah, Left Alive was actually Front Mission, but because it's got Yoji Shinkawa from Metal Gear Solid doing the art, everyone went, "Oh, it's a Metal Gear Solid ripoff." Yeah, but it, it I was quite it liked was... Front Mission Evolved. I played all the way through that. Did you? Yeah. Why? Wow. It was all right. It was, you know, wasn't the best game ever. But I, I don't right. like Armored Core, so I was a bit, yeah. a bit biased, really. I, I just, it didn't feel like a front mission to me. And no, it didn't. I much prefer Front Mission Three. That is an absolute blinder. And it's, it's that, on, it's on the PS Plus, uh, PSN store, and I could buy it on the PS3, but I know I'm not going to play it. Yeah, that's the trouble. It's a long game, and there's two fucking campaigns as well. So, and I. That's that's one. The, the first game that went on this list when I first heard that Forever Entertainment were doing something was Fear Effect, and then I realised somebody's oh. already doing it. You know? That was I. That wasn't Square though. That was IDOS. Yeah, but IDOS. Fear, Square, uh, they, they own it though. Yeah, they, they, oh, they, they own it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wasn't there like a top-down game that came out? There was there was um, Fear o- Effect Omega, Sedna. Sigma Sigma Sedna Sigma. Oh God! Right, I'm I'm just looking at other ones here. Once when you're done, I've got another couple. 
Um, but the, the game I actually think it's going to be is Tomb Raider. Really? I, I get the feeling that they're just going to get give them the original like two or three Tomb Raiders and just say... There's, there's talk of a remake trilogy. Not a bad shout, yeah. Because I get the feeling, obviously, Tomb Raider is kind of... We've run, wrapped up a, 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 a trilogy and they are going to sell them as a, as a pack. And I do, I think we're a long way away from the next Tomb Raider game, but I don't think they just want to leave the IP and just sit on it and do nothing with it. So I get the feeling that it, it, I, as much as it would be nice to see updated visuals and like a better gameplay, because those games have dated like shit. Um, but I, I don't care because I probably would, if they were a couple of quid each, you know, say if they were like a fiver for Tomb Raider 1 with upgraded visuals and the exact same gameplay. I would be a sucker enough to just go, yeah, okay, no problem. Well, didn't they do that with Tomb Raider Legend or Anniversary? Anniversary wanted. Yeah, but that's completely remade, though. It's not not the same gameplay. Not by a long shot. If it would it have the blocks and you'd have to like back her up and then and then go forward (laughs) and then back up and then go forward and and just and then and hold on, you know, all of that crazy tank control stuff that that they had in place, which is ridiculous. So if they keep the (laughs) they keep the controls, I'm not buying it. (laughs) I mean, it's it's not hard to get like used to you know some <laughs> i mean it, it would be hard like it's not fun though <laughs> no it's not fun no make it like times four let me do tomb raider at times four speed and yeah we'll i need everything at times four speed now <laughs> <laughs> i hope everyone's reading like listening to this podcast at times four speed um does anyone else have any other suggestions uh gex gex i'm looking at a list of uh, owned IPs for Square Enix and they own Gex. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. Did that, is this an IDOS one? That, that, was, yeah, that was Crystal Dynamics, wasn't it? So they must have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they own Legacy of Kane. Oh, yeah. No, that's, no, that's if not they coming make, back, is it? They fucking better do, though, aren't they? Well, think they could, they could remake the original Legacy of Kane game. No, that was shit. Oh, what? Wait, wait, what? As in Blood Omen? Soul Reaver. I mean Soul Reaver. Oh, right, I was going to say Blood Omen was wank. Um, yeah, I don't want Blood Omen. Soul Reaver, um, yeah. Yeah, Soul Reaver's work. amazing. Soul Reaver's the one I'm thinking of. Um, and they also own Star Ocean. I'd take a remake of Star Ocean, but I don't I don't see why they'd remake one and two. There's no There's no real reason to do so. And they, they had a nice, shiny new versions on the PSP. Um, mm. but so it, it'd PSP, be an odd one to do. Yeah, it'd, be an odd, it'd be, still be an odd one to do, I think. Um, but then, yeah, then they get to, and then you get to Tomb Raider, um, and Valkyrie Profile is also another oh, yeah. slightly off the wall um, RPG series they still have that they don't do anything with. It's amazing how many Square and XIPs they just let languish. Like, mm. how how have we not got another Soul Reaver? Like, a Soul Reaver, the, the entire series of Blood Omen and the Legacy of Kane should have home one hundred percent continued. And occasionally we get a nod. I mean, there were a skin in the Tomb Raider, Tombs of Osiris, or whatever it was. Oh, Guardian of Light, wherever it is. Yeah. Imagine yeah. Souls like, but with like, but Soul Reaver, like basically yeah. redone Soul, as a Soul as a Souls like. Yeah, Soul Reaver, Souls like, exactly. Wee. It would be great. I mean, well, the, the, the first Soul Reaver was you taking out the bosses, wasn't it? It was basically, yeah, well, yeah. I suppose most most games are something like that, but you taking out the old clan. Yeah. So what's yeah, and you get a new skill from them. So yeah, it was I like think t- it would it fit. Like a, very nicely at that as that kind of a game. Um, it's basically Darksiders, wasn't it? Just yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My 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 outfield, if I ever 
had the money to assign a remake because I suppose Square Enix would own the rights because it's an Enix game would be Illusion of Time because it's my favourite SNES game ever, <laughs> which I am in the middle of writing a piece about, but I seem to have lost steam on it, but I will. Okay. It's amazing. Well, whatever the answer to this is, I mean, hopefully we'll find out soon what, what Forever Entertainment are, are working on. But whatever the answer is, I think it's good news that we're getting, you know, it a remake of games that probably aren't available to us on modern day platforms. I think that's just for, for game conservation, it's a win for me. I'm just happy about it. Shall we move on to the next topic? Yes. Okay, let's do that then. So this week we also got the nominations for the game BAFTAs 2021. And as usual, we're going to run down the list and try and pick a winner for each category. We'll do this quickly, though, so don't worry, this won't be too monotonous. Um, so we're going to start with the Animation Award. Uh, so nominated are Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part Two, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ori and the World of the Wisps, and Spiritfarer. Toby, who's winning and, that one? And The Last of Us. I said The Last of Us. Did you? Oh, I'm reading the list, and The Last of Us is last. Of, of... Yeah, yeah, I, I mixed up the list. How are you, Fanny? I'm trying to read along with you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, who's winning that? Oh, I don't know. I'd like The Last of Us because it was so fucking fluid with the transitions um, oh, between man. like gameplay and, uh, and scenery and stuff. And I think it should win this just purely because you spent so long getting pictures of broken glass. Yes. <laughs> I, I, my, no, seriously, my, my fo- I looked at my folder of photos on that game the other day and I deleted all the ones that are trophy-based because they're pointless things that happen during the game when you unlock a trophy. But I've got about a dozen pictures of me hitting glass with various melee weapons to get it to shatter and the light reflection. And if that's not attention to detail, fuck, you know. Yeah, it it was um, incredible to watch your Twitter feed light up with just pictures of broken glass. <laughs> and for a while, I was like, "What are you doing?" And then I actually saw one in motion and was like, "Uh, okay, pretty." Toby, who's winning the animation award? Uh, um, okay, Final Fantasy VII remake. Fair enough. Um, I think that Doom Eternal should win that because it was fucking awesome. Um, okay, Artistic Achievement, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> Dreams, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, or The Last of Us Part 2. Let's start with Toby. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Greg? Hades, without a fucking doubt. That game wish... is beautiful, and look at the character animations and stuff like that. I wish I'd played it. I'm just desperate for it to come to new platforms. I really want to play it on a PlayStation because uh, it's just the easiest way for me to play it. But um, I'm going to have to say Ghost of Tsushima as well because it is a fucking beautiful game. Those golden forests, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, I love the cyberpunks in there and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does look good if you can stop everything popping in. I mean, for, like, you know, you look at the, the PC version on Max Res and you think that is an incredible looking game. But the five people that can play it that way, um, you know, good for them. Only for them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, audio achievement. So this is Astro's Playroom, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, The Last of Us Part Two, or Miles Morales. Toby? I'm not seeing how any of those really pop for audio. Um, I'd have to go Ghost of Tsushima again, maybe Last of Us. Okay, Greg? I don't, know, I don't have an opinion on audio achievement on these games. Um, Tsushima was good. I like the soundtrack, so we'll go with that. Okay, I'm going to go with Miles Morales because 
I was incredibly impressed with the way that when you start swinging, you'd get the Spider-Man music and it would almost instantly stop when you hit the ground. It was like it preempted the fact that you were going to hit the ground. Oh, okay. It was an incredible um, like audio in that game that like obviously dynamic the audio yeah but yeah it was like when you started swinging and got into action the music could speed up and stuff it's like the audio in those games are fucking brilliant even in the first one but you know the second one being better and they've had ori in a couple of the other lists i would have had ori for that yeah you'd have thought wouldn't you the music for the ori the ori soundtrack is beautiful uh, and this this is a good question later on if you've got any any games that you think that have been stiffed in any of these these just let me know uh, at the end, and uh, I've got a couple that I think have been unfairly left out again. Um, so the next category is British game, which is Dreams, F1 2020, Fall Guys, The Last Campfire, Roki, or Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Greg? Dreams, just for what it's done, really. Yeah. It's giving people right. that that sandbox game to play around. Not sandbox, you know what I mean? Um, toolbox. Yeah, a whole game creation tool. It's fascinating. Uh, Toby? Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think from a storyline perspective, um, Roki is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that Roki wins this because I think those developers are brilliant and I really enjoyed that game. Um, but also, I take Dreams because Dreams is very cool. Uh, so debut game, which I have an issue with this this category did, in general. Did we miss best game? Yeah, I put that at, but, at the but, like going at the end, Greg, isn't it? Oh, fuck it. I'm reading the list. I'm reading the same list that Sean is, but he's changed it around. No, no, no. I've written all this down myself. Like, oh. <laughs> so what build up to best game, don't we? At the end, yeah. I've got well, I have to, I have to read. The, I have to look at the list when he says it because when he gets to number six, I've forgotten what the first game was. Right. Okay. I'll read it a bit slower this time. Okay. Thanks. Um, so de- as well. <laughs> debut game is Airborne Kingdom, Call of the Sea, Carrion, Factorio. The Falconeer and Roki. So, Greg, which one do you think is the best debut game? Roki, just because you really, really enjoyed it, and Carry On, I thought was boring as fuck. Which, yeah, is a bit of a carry on. Anyway, Toby, <laughs> um, I never got to play it, but I really liked the look of Airborne Kingdom. Um, Falconeer was fun, but just not quite what it could have been. And Carry On, the same, it wasn't what it could have been. So, um, I think. <sighs> Factorio also looks very impressive, but again, I haven't played it, so I don't know if I can pick one on that lot. No, I again, I kind of hope it's Roki, but again, I really wanted to play Call of the Sea and didn't. Uh, Airborne Kingdom, again, didn't play it. Carrion didn't play it. Factorio, I played about five, ten minutes, and I enjoyed what I played, but again, not, not enough. The Falconeer, I didn't really gel with, I'll be honest. Um, but Falcon, you know, Falconeer one that you reviewed, Tab. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's part of the trouble. It's hard, it is hard to gel with. It's got some funny systems and the and the, the narratives all jumbled up. It, it was weird that like I I I dove into that game thinking it's a game about a falcon, and then within five minutes I'm like shoot shoot bang 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 and like what 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 I mean we're playing I know I know it's giant warbirds and stuff and but it, it felt like it went for that way too soon for me. Uh, anyway, uh, next category is evolving game, which is Destiny Two Beyond Light, Dreams. Four Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Sea of Thieves. Greg? No Man's Sky, just because it's really stuck it out for as long as it has. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that won last year as well, which I, or, or came close last year. Um, Toby? I think I'd go for Destiny 2. It's the most sort of one that I've found interesting and playable. I, I, I really don't play many evolving games. 
That's fair enough. Um, I'm going to say Fortnite purely because I don't think there is anything quite like it at the moment for its mass media appeal and the fact that it now feels like a big Funko Pop game where every player plays something like like random Star Wars, Marvel, DC, um, Walking Dead mashup. It is freaking weird. But still. Uh, Family game. Animal Crossing New Horizons, Astro's Playroom, Dreams, Four Guys, Minecraft Dungeons, or Sackboy's Adventure. Uh, Greg? I don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> that's a perfectly valid answer. If you, if you don't care about these games, that's absolutely fine. If you've got no opinion, that's an opinion. Um, Toby? Uh, out of the ones I've played, Astro's Playroom. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that too. Because it's freaking awesome. I really want them to make a with the, with the new studio that we were talking about last week. Make a whole like properly sized Astros game, like yeah, bigger, better, you know, full size. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying when when I first played that game, I was like, if they don't release a full sixty pound version of this, that's like four times as big, they're mm. just leaving money on the table because yeah, everyone's got Everyone, a demo. everyone's had the demo. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> that's it. <laughs> insane. Um, Okay, uh, next category is Game Design, Animal Crossing, Astro's Playroom, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life, Alex, or The Last of Us Part 2. Greg? Hades, because I've said this before, when it was my game of the week, um, and my game of the year, funnily enough, um, it just completely subverted my expectations with roguelike games. Because yeah. to me, they're just like they before that they were like the coin op of games. You know, you try go as far as you can, you die. Blah 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 blah. And the fact this has an evolving story that not rewards you for dying, but it doesn't encourage you. But it doesn't. You don't go. Ah, oh, fuck it, I've died. You go. Ah, oh, piss. But I can learn more about the story. So hey. Yeah. It rewards you for failure, which is great. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, not always. There will be certain points where it will it will kind of stop and be like, no, come and do better than this. But it's not the end of the world. Yeah. That's which right. is a cracking way of, like I said, subverting the expectation of a genre that no one would like. I mean, no one being me in this case. I'm not saying I'm the only person that doesn't like roguelike games, but yeah. if you were if you were on the like a lot of people do like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like say, say if you like me and you went, I don't see the appeal, then this would be the game that that changes your mind on it. Yeah, we should we should write a list of people of games that are like Children of Water and Hades, mm. like roguelikes for people who hate roguelikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Toby, see that's why I wouldn't give it to Hades because I don't feel like it was their game design. I feel like it was Children of Mortars because um, that came first. So I'd go with um, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, that Ra- branch out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I know. I, 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 it's ironic because <laughs> I've said Hades three times as well. I, I, I can't call this one. I mean, the only one that I've really paid, you know, I mean, goes to Shishimura or Astro's Playroom, either of those two. Um, game Beyond Entertainment. So, in this category, we have Animal Crossing, Before I Forget, Dreams, Spirit Fairy, The Last of Us Part Two, and Tell Me Why. Toby? Do they say what Beyond Entertainment means? They mean the game doesn't have to be particularly fun and it tries to deliver a message. So it's like, you know. What message is Last of Us 2 delivering? Revenge is bad. Yeah, don't revenge. Don't don't waste (laughs) your time catching up with someone halfway across the country when they would have died anyway without you having any. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I don't fucking care. It's been out long enough. And and also, don't ruin your whole family 
going after revenge when you had everything you wanted. I know. <laughs> so there um, is a message to it, clearly. There is a message. Um, Greg, what's the answer? What's your what's your uh, <laughs> Animal Crossing? Because it is it is ascended from beyond being entertainment to just mind-numbingly boring. That's not a real answer. I know, but I don't care for the rest of this category. It just seems a bit of an artsy fartsy category to put some yeah, that's left, field, left field games in there. All right, dreams. If I'm going to be serious, dreams because of the aforementioned point earlier. Fair because enough. it's gone beyond entertainment to people creating like games within games and dreams within dreams. That's very true. Uh, Toby, I think I'd go for a similar for another for a similar reason, but a different game. Um, because it won't win in a, in another category, um, I'd give it to Spiritfarer because that had a very uh, yeah. positive message about death in it that was really interesting and really nicely done. Do you guys, as very, very tangential here, do you guys ever watch the Zero Punctuation videos? Sometimes. Um, Yahtzee reviewed Spiritfarer. You know how like he's, he's naturally grumpy by nature? He was talking about how Spiritfarer had him like welling up and I was like, oh, fuck. Wow. Mm. Must have had that, you know, must have had an impact. I think there was too much monotonous sort of questing stuff in it, but the bits when it went narrative were really strong and really clever. Nice. Good stuff. I'm, I'm going sure? yeah, to pick Tell Me Why, um, because I think it's a very strong uh, narrative and stuff that doesn't get covered very often. So next category, uh, multiplayer game, uh, Animal Crossing, Deep Rock, Galactic, Fall Guys, Ghost of Tsushima, Sackboy and Valorant. Any, any call on that? So the only one I've actually really... Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, just um, I didn't realise he said Toby, sorry. Um, Animal Crossing, because it's still going. Yeah. Four guys Four guys has kind of fallen off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, Toby, what do you think? Uh, the only one I've really got into the multiplayer of is Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Which is, do you know, this is weird. Like, I, I have played... A lot of the single player of Ghost of Tsushima. Every every so often, somebody who is like from one of my friends that doesn't really play games that often emails me or messages me on Facebook or sends me a tweet or something and says, "Have you played the multiplayer on Ghost of Tsushima? We want some more people to play." Mm. It's like it seems like that game mode is just like slowly but surely, you know, gathering steam and getting more people. There's more there's one problematic game mode which is a it's like a raid like you would have in you know any any other game like or, or Destiny or something. But you have to have four people you know. They have to oh, be your friends. Is that the one we right? tried? Yeah, and you can't do it with random people on the internet from Japan, right? So you have to know them, and that's what they're doing. That people are getting stuck, being unable to play that one mode unless they have you as their friend, and they actually get people they know to play. Oh, so which is also, a shame. Is yeah. it, so all this this kind of ego that I'm I'm building up, thinking people <laughs> want me to play because I'm good at games. Sorry to pop that ego God bubble that you have it, there. damn it, Toby. Thank you. Um, Greg, you, you were saying you were Animal Crossing for multiplayer game. Yeah, just because it's probably still got the biggest draw of the lot here. I think I'd agree with that. Thanks. Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to go with Four Guys because I think it's still fun. Um, and I think of the last year, I think that was probably the most breakout apart from Among Us, which, again, I mm. think has been stiffed. But we'll see. Um, so the next category is music. So you've got Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us Part 2, Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Sackboy. So, Toby? Um, well, I'll, I'll pick Ori in this one, because I think that's the most memorable of the soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, Greg? Mm, no real opinion, really. Um, 
no pass not like there's there's not been any music in these games that have made me like stand out they're all very good but nothing i can go yes this is a this is the audio delight that i i needed i'd yeah. say final fantasy 7 has been stiffed right there that's got the most incredibly brilliant remade yeah. soundtrack I've, I've, uh, I've seen in ages. It's a, it's a remade soundtrack, though, isn't it? That's the problem. So? I know. I Well, I ain't arguing. All of it has been <laughs> completely remixed. You, you can't even recognise half the original songs in there. No, I know, but I suppose because it's probably been around for long enough. that I don't know. I don't know. Um, my call on this one is Suckboy. And I say this because... Can you remember that those levels in Rayman Legends that were basically as you move through it, you basically have the song, I love those like levels, yeah. the Bambalam song, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. huge chunks of uh, Sackboy's Adventure are like that. Um, so you have like pop tracks, and as you move through the level, you you jump and stuff, and it, it forms the the beat of the song. It's brilliant, and that makes me want to play it now. This game has gone completely like. Under, I mean, not in these awards because it's been picked a, a ton, but like from my gaming bubble and from you know the general consensus, what I see online, it's if flown under the radar. It's so much better than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, narrative: We've got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Tokyo Route Zero, or Miles Morales. Uh, Greg. Um, well, I want to say Hades again, but because that's the one I've that's really stuck with me. Ghost of Tsushima was good, enjoyed that. Cyberpunk, I can't imagine Assassin's Creed's got good writing and narrative because it's the same peddled out, boring ass story. So, Hades, because of the previously mentioned narrative and the way you have to achieve narrative, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Toby, uh. I'd have to discount Valhalla because yeah, I'm not I'm not sort of seeing it. There, there's some there's some good stuff in there that's that's probably better than some of the Assassin's Creed, but it's not as good as some of the uh, original ones like Ezio and things. Um, I'd verge between Ghost of Tsushima and Cyberpunk 2077. I think Cyberpunk's narrative, if if it had been they'd stripped out the open world and they'd just gone with the narrative, I actually would have enjoyed the game far more because it was very strong at points. There were there were whole like hours after hour after hour of sections where I was just like, this story is incredible. So. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I think all I the stuff think... with like Judy and the Moxes and the, you know, all of that stuff with Evelyn, that whole storyline was like 10 hours long and I was just like completely engrossed. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I think the narrative is in that game is far stronger than not not so much the overarching storyline, um, because I think you can kind of telegraph that from round about the halfway point. But I think the the kind of moment to moment writing, so like the little side stories, some of them them are genuinely well written and have um some some pretty good cool outcomes. So yeah, either that or Cyberpunk, like for, for all the reasons that Toby said. So original property, uh, Carrion, Four Guys, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Kentucky Route Zero, or Spiritfarer. Greg? Tsushima for this one. I can hear Toby fucking sniggering. Yep. He thought I was going to say Hades. I was ready for the Hades there. <laughs> <laughs> Toby? Uh, I'm going to go Ghost of Tsushima. I think it's the one that has legs for a sequel. Whoa, what a surprise. Um, out of those because it, 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 original property makes me think you know it, a franchise so I don't see Spiritfarer being a, a franchise or Kentucky Route Zero or anything like that so um, 
Fall Guys probably could eventually have a Fall Guys 2, Hades maybe, and um, Ghost of Tsushima definitely will have a second Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I mean, uh, as, as a property, I think um, Ghost of Tsushima has the most clearest kind of vision and brand around it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I really hope the Kentucky Route Zero, because it's been in development for so long and you've had these chapters come out and then finally it's all come together. And it was like everyone was buzzing for, about it for about a month and then it just kind of dropped off. So I hope for those guys that they, they at least won one. And I think this might be the one that they win. Um, so next award is performer in a leading role. So you've got Ashley Johnson for a lot, The Last of Us Part Two. Chirami Lee as the female V in Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Cody Christian for Cloud Strife in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Daisuke Jid... Uh, basically the guy who voices Jin <laughs> I fucking give up, man. I give up. My, my a- Asian name guy playing Asian name guy in this is... Asian name continent. Is it Daisuke Tsuji? Thank you. Thank you. My mouth is giving me the turn. It's too late for this. Um, Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2 and Najee Jetta as Miles Morales in Marvel's Spider-Man. Miles Morales. Okay. Um, Toby? Uh, I'm going to go with Charami Lee as Female V. I thought Female V was fantastic. Okay, man. That was a surprise. Uh, Greg? I had to laugh at Cody Christian being in here, though. He should definitely be supporting because he says, fuck all in Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the occasional grunt. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Good motion capture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Daisuke Suji because I can pronounce it. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Bailey and... Ashley Johnson were good. Yeah, they by are the end of good. It, by yeah. the end of it, I was just I was just so fucked off for their characters. Just like, oh, you're both dickheads. In the grand scheme of things, you are both dickheads. So just yep. they, they, <laughs> which which they delivered very well in their characters, but oh god, pains in the ass is a pair of them. Um whereas Jin Sakai actually goes through a proper like character arc in which he goes against everything he's taught to basically betray that to save his country and then still get branded negatively for it. So yeah, that. Fair enough. I'm going to pick one that I can pronounce. Um, Naji Jetta uh, as Miles Morales. I think he did a brilliant job as Miles Morales. So, yeah, I'll take that one. So, next award is the performer in a supporting role. Um, Cody Christiansen. <laughs> um, it's Carla Tassara in, as Judy Alvarez in Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Jeffrey Pierce as Tommy in The Last of Us Part 2. Logan Cunningham as Hades, Achilles, Poseidon, Asterius, Charon, and the storyteller in Hades. Uh, Patrick Gallagher as Koten Khan in Ghost of Sh- uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Shannon Woodward as Diana in The Last of Us Part Two, or Troy Baker as Joel in The Last of Us Part Two. Toby, I'm gonna go cyberpunk again. Carla Tassara as Judy Alvarez. Uh, I'm just robbed that Pan Am wasn't in there instead of Judy. She was much better. Thank you very much. She was also fantastic. I would Pan have given her, was the best. I'd give her the same supporting role award anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's um, I think that was the the most impressive role. I, I actually thought it was better than the Last of Us ones. Yes, absolutely. Um, Greg, I'm going to go with Tommy uh, Jeffrey Pierce because he was more fleshed out in this room where Joel was kind of here and there. I'm going to go more, more with Tommy as, as more of a, a guiding voice in this one. Yeah. I, I can't have... I've not played The Last of His Part 2, so... Have you not? No. 
Star Wars that you had and we just spoiled it for you. Yeah, you're not the <laughs> first person. He's had it spoiled a number of times, yeah. Spoiled. I thought you played it. No, no, I, like, um, I, I said that I hadn't and received, because I, I was described as a games journalist by a YouTuber, I received about 140 tweets, all, all with golf clubs in them. Wow. So, um, <laughs> fuck them guys. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very thematic insult, I suppose. Yes, yeah, thanks for that. Um, next award is the Technical Achievement, which is Demon Souls, Doom Eternal, Dreams, Flight Simulator, The Last of Us Part Two, or Miles Morales. Toby? Mm, the Last of Us Part 2. Fair enough. Greg? As much as I would have said Last of Us Part 2 with my window breaking and all that, um, Demon Souls, I haven't played it on the PS5, but fuck me, does that game look amazing? Yes, it does look amazing. And I kind of want to say Dreams because of not just in, in how it looks, but in technical capacity. But I think if we're going for technical how it looks kind of thing, then yeah, Demon's Souls. I'm going to say Doom Eternal purely because I think the concept with the fighting is brilliant. And I played the Switch version and it doesn't fucking suck. And I don't know how it's possible for Doom Eternal to run on a Switch. So that is a technical achievement for me. You just, so you, were you, you were next to me when we were playing Witcher 3 on the yes. Switch. Yeah, on the Switch Lite. Yeah. That was fucking amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's 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 one of these things that you see these Switch games in like screenshots and you go, that's awful. Nah. And then you, then you watch it in move, motion and you're like, well, yeah, you can see it's not as good, but still it's in my hand and it still looks great. So Yeah, graphics don't mean everything. No, unless you, you know, one of these people that really takes it as graphics is the best thing ever, which you can fuck off. Okay, um... Next award is the best game, which is Animal Crossing, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life, Alex, The Last of Us Part Two, or Miles Morales. Toby? Uh, best game, Ghost of Tsushima. Greg? Because clearly Toby and I are both broken records, Hades, because just because of the amount of time I put into it. And I, was, have, I will sing its praises. I'm going to have to say Ghost of Tsushima because I didn't really think Miles Morales was as good as it possibly could have been, and I've not played any of the others. So, oh well, game of the year. So the big one. Uh, so Animal Crossing, Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> Sorry, Ghost is, this of vote, is this the voted why? This, oh, is, yeah. this is the EE vote one. So voted by the public, or if or if it shouldn't be given them. <laughs> so so. Animal Crossing, Call of Duty Warzone, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us Part 2, or Valorant. Who are we voting for, guys? Greg? Um, as much as I bang on about Hades, I want to say Last of Us just because of the fucking discourse it created. Yeah. And it brought back the whole games or art medium thing and those kind of shit. And it, it had some good issues. It, it overdid some of the issues. It kind of milked some of it a little bit and was a bit heavy-handed with its delivery of the whole look, we're so inclusive thing. But as far as impact in game, then yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Last of Us. Fair enough. Toby? Uh, you, make, you make a good good set of points there. Um, I think I enjoyed Ghost of Tsushima the most this, this last year um, out of those options. Um, but yeah, out of the ones that's like the most biggest discourse, the, the biggest game, the one that really kind of deserves to be spoken of as the game of the year, I would say The Last of Us Part Two as well. Fair enough. I, I'm going to say this purely because I want the piss to boil 
um, I I'm going to say The Last of Us Part Two because I just want to see the like that half of the internet that thought that you know yeah. uh, I just want I just want them to start crying again because it just makes my day that basically it all kicked up a fuss when you see yeah. like sponsored ads from like. Uh, Sony saying Last of Us Two is only twenty quid in Argos and stuff like that. People, are like, oh, it's not an amazing game. You think, oh, give it a fucking rest. Come on, yes. play it. Yeah, these people don't don't seem to have a personality anymore, and they're just hating this game seems to be what they centered their core around. And I, would just, <laughs> I would just love, just absolutely love, if this one game of the year, like the big tamale, especially just, over all the Call of Duty bleating idiots as well. Yeah, and and you know, for it to be a fan voted thing. To you know, to, for people to say, yeah, it, it was as good as everyone says it is. That would be the best for me. Um, but I haven't even played it. I just want to just just want to piss, piss people off. <laughs> um, okay, so any notable admit, uh, ad, emissions this year? So you guys have mentioned a couple. I'm just got a couple that I think have missed out big style. Um, what you think about it? So Fuser not being in audio or music feels like the most insane thing. I have seen this year. Like Fuser is the best music game of the year and it's not on the list. Um, Beyond Blue should absolutely definitely be in the list of nominated games for games beyond entertainment. Um, Narrative in In Other Waters, um, which you you might remember Ross reviewed. Oh, Ross did it, yeah. Yeah, he gave it 10 out of 10, which is rare. And, you know, everyone raved about it. It kind of just dropped off the radar. And this last game, how has Persona 5 Royale not been nominated for a single thing? And this was stiffed three years ago, at the 2017 BAFTAs. Then it didn't get nominated for anything in 2017. And again... Oh, apart from Final Fantasy VII, there's not a single thing on here that's really very anime-related at all. No. Which I, I find like... Maybe they've got a problem with it. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, the, the BAFTAs are usually pretty, you know... I mean... Animal Crossing is about as weeps as in content yeah. as you can possibly get, but it's just weird, man. That it feels weird that the Persona Five Real for, for all the you know plaudits that it got hasn't got a single nomination for anything. That, that's that's odd. I, I would agree with that one. Um, although I think it's Royal rather than Royale. Whatever. Roy- Royal. <laughs> um, and I'd add uh, 13 Sentinels. That was the one that was on the list for best narrative in the um, the other Game of the Year awards that we had um, a month or two back. Yeah. I would have put 13 Sentinels in there. That was a cracking bit of narrative um, that was completely unique and interesting throughout and had a lot of interesting things to say. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. So... That was the BAFTAs. Uh, don't, don't mind me, then. Oh, I, I didn't. You, you were silent. Oh, you like, didn't ask. <laughs> Greg, have you got any omissions? No. Um, yeah, <laughs> only, only one. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to say no. Go on. Um, uh, in Game Beyond Entertainment, I would have put SnowRunner. Because yeah. it becomes a, a, a job, if you will, but a fun and melodic... Not melodic... Um, What's the word? Monotonous. Not monotonous. Well, it kind of does. <laughs> you want to see it like that, but no, like like a mellow game that's just fun until you get overconfident and end up like accidentally nearly tipping your truck over and stuff like that. It become it's so fucking huge that I've, I've played it again uh, with my mate Sam and he's more ahead of me, but even then he's barely scratched the surface. And you end up just like, 
emboldening that life of a trucker and being like, oh, this is fun. And then going, oh, I've got a perilous hill to climb up. Which truck do I use? You know, what's the best way to distribute the load that I need to carry? And how many trailers do I need? And stuff like that. Like, and the fact that they've supported it for the last year as well. I've downloaded it again recently and looking at it a year on, it's like, wow, they've really put, they've really maintained this. It's surprising how well it's been supported. Yeah, that was just my one omission. omission. Fair enough. It's a good call. I think it probably should have been in technical achievements as well because it run like a fucking dream. Yeah. So, um, so the final topic for this week is all about a report that came out earlier this week. Um, so it was released by the Entertainment Retailers Association and they released this report that basically said that 85.4% of consumer spending on games in the UK for the last 12 months was digital. Uh, in total, the games industry raked in £4.4 billion in, in 2020, which is an increase of 17.7% year on year. And games made up 48% of the entertainment spending for the entire of the UK, which means that games bought in more than both music and movies combined. Um, the £4.4 billion was broken up um, basically into £645 million uh, spent on box products, which is still up from the year previous by 7.2%. But the vast majority of spending, £3.8 billion, was splashed on digital goods. So, And that was up 19.7% uh, year on year. So the, the gaming industry in the UK is, is growing. Spending was up across the board by 17%. But the biggest increase was in digital. And 85% of spending in the UK was on digital products. So the question that I wanted to ask both Toby and Greg was that obviously this year has been a blip. It's been an aberration. It's been something that will not follow a trend. But has this last year of COVID and the drive towards digital, will, will we see that continue? Do we think that physical sales are going to come back or do we feel like this past year has been a way to accelerate the trend that was already in progress so digital sales were always increasing year on year but never by 17 percent so first i'm going to ask greg i know that you are a big supporter of physical products yeah how have you found this last 12 months and do you think that you'll be going back to any kind of prior to lockdown trends that you had going on in your life mm, i mean i'm still ordering physical copies of games when i can but then i haven't really bought anything there's not been any sort of triple a games that i bought over the last six seven months because obviously i haven't got a ps5 and there's not been anything majorly new that i want um, this is what i was saying earlier i have to reluctantly admit that this has made the case for digital to kind of take over now. They can say, look, we can survive without manufacturing discs and stuff like that. And it will put a bit of a pisser on when they finally do um, like cool time on seeing how much it costs to print discs. And discs are now basically glorified CD keys, aren't they? Yeah. As soon as you put a disc in, you download 50 gig of the game and you just need the disc to run it, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to carry on my habits for as long as I can. Like I still gonna want. I mean, I, I still need to order Bravely Default too and stuff like that. And saying that, I haven't actually physically switched a switch, switched a Switch game out of my Switch um, in a while. Like Xenoblade Chronicles is still in there. 
I've got Link's Awakening to finish, but I haven't physically got around to, even though it's in the same carry case, I haven't got around to changing the game in there for a while, just because I've been playing a lot of digital games. Hades, yeah. and a lot of, like 90% of my Switch catalog is uh, review games. I haven't bought much on there, but it's all review games. Hmm. Um, so obviously I'm kind of gradually coming around to accepting more digital stuff. And because of the nature of us reviewing stuff, like pretty much 95% of that digital anyway. So it's not going to stop me still buying physical stuff, but I am going to have to stop being a curmudgeonly old man and actually get with the times. Yeah. So the reason why I kind of wanted to speak to you first was because um, you have recently got yourself a decent PC yeah. and I'm going to presume that you've got Steam and Epic Games Store and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. How have you found that? Like, obviously with... Oh, it's so hard not to buy games again that I've already got. <laughs> or I've already played before and I have done it I've done it with Sekiro because I wanted an excuse to stream it and play it again um, I bought Dying Light the other day because something else to play on PC uh, my brother's got it um, and yeah all these free games are like Epic Game Store and stuff like that um, it's just hard like I keep looking through sales and various like Steam key sites that sell them on the cheap I don't know if it's I mean it's a legit site I don't know if it's good practice or not but like it's so hard not to... I mean, I bought, like, Dark Souls 3, and I'm streaming that at the moment. Like, I'm buying games with a purpose to stream them, or, like, to justify buying them again. So yeah. it's becoming a habit. But then I tell myself that I've bought these before on discs, so that it makes it all right, <laughs> which is well, actually doubling the doubling the coffers, really. But, but yeah, but, like, I, the, the fact that these games are digital, like Steam, you know, is, is you, you can get physical discs and have a Steam key included. Yeah, yeah. But, but Steam is 99.9% digital. Yeah, and that is that is good for its for its model for PC gaming. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just because like I still want to keep my console to to physical media because that separates the the two really. Yeah, like, and then it doesn't become some hideous amalgam of PC and console as one entity kind of thing. Yeah, it's as a as a as a guy who's had like a Steam account for for quite a while now, I I don't miss and I have been digital only for the best part of a de decade at this point. You know, I, I haven't bought a, an actual physical game in years because I don't need to. You know, I've got Steam, I've got PlayStation Store, I've got Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now. And we're, we're at very opposite ends of the spectrum, I think. I think you're trying to hang on to this, the physical media still. Yeah. And, well, I, I always think that there will be a place for physical media. I don't think... Um, that it will be as big as it once was, especially after this. This, yeah, exactly. And I don't have to come around to that. Yeah, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking your games off you. Sorry, yeah. Toby. Do you think that the public is ready to go to go more digital than it ever has done post this pandemic? Yeah, I do. I think the. Uh, the younger the generation that we're talking about, the more happy with digital they are, right? Um, so the ones who are playing the majority of Fortnite, Apex Legends, etc., the ones who are making all those mobile uh, purchases and microtransactions are generally lower-end millennials or Gen Zs, right? So they are the ones who hardly remember having cartridges, cassettes, vinyls, CDs, boxes, all that kind of stuff that we're talking about and that Greg and I really like to collect, 
it doesn't mean anything to a lot of people coming up into the games, um, you know, consumer market nowadays. Um, so yeah, I do. I think I think this year has accelerated it like crazy. Um, but I think it was a trend that was happening automatically, just as you know, as the modern life and capitalism keep powering on. It just it's the way that it's going to go. Um, it's cheaper to produce, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That there's a few parts of it that that annoy me though, because within the the digital model, there's great things like Game Pass, which I'm absolutely for, and a subscription model is fine because I know I don't own anything, right? that's fine. I don't presume to own it because it's a subscription model. However, when I buy something digital, I think to myself, right, I own that game, but I don't. Sony and Amazon have said in the past that you don't own the digital things that you've you bought. You pay the license, don't you? You pay for, a, yeah, you pay for a license for them. The terms and conditions say that you do not really own the movies you buy on Amazon, right? And the Sony, the Sony's removing its movie section. What happens to the movies that you've bought on that sec on, on that section of the store, right? Do they, do they carry on or do you just lose the ability to watch all these movies you paid for? It's that kind of thing that, that really sort of turns me off about digital because you know no um no internet site will f f survive forever you know steam will get replaced by something else amazon will get replaced by something else all these things will eventually you know have a lifespan um and then you just lose everything you owned whereas you got digital i mean i just i've been spending some of the last few weeks you know on the slack showing me showing you pictures of like this great big collection of of you know classic rpgs i've got i really like those collections that i've got and it will not be possible to do this um in that new age and that makes me feel a bit sad it's like it's not it's not how i how i kind of remember it. i like having physical media saying um, do you want to check out my steam library it doesn't have the same no appeal, i'd have to it? take a screenshot of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the same thing at all so and the last thing i'd add is about um like collector's editions and um and your favorite games so if i buy something digital and then i find that it's like an absolute nine out of ten ten out of ten thing that i want to then own especially if it's something like an rpg i'll then want the physical version of it do you know what i mean that's when i'll buy another version of this thing um and i also wonder if digital does that go some way towards killing collector's versions you know like these great big 200 pound versions that are you know, special collector's editions, because half that pack is, you know, like a nice box and um, a nice steel case and all this stuff that you don't need if you have a digital only game. It, it might still sell anyway, you know, you're going to have the, the figures and all that kind of stuff that people can still buy, but it's, um, it just seems like an odd thing to buy digital collector's versions, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my issue. I didn't buy a, um, I didn't buy a digital only PS5 for the same reason. I will, I, I, it's about it's about expense in a way as well. You've it, it costs me more money to buy digital, especially if it's a day one purchase, than it does if I buy it on um, as a as a box game and then take it back and swap it and do all my secondhand trading that I do at um, Game Station or Game or whatever you know it is current. So it's um, and I sell them on eBay all the time. So that that churn of you know the same 20 odd quid getting recycled half a dozen times you know through different games i'm playing i play too many games to buy them all i can't buy them all and still have money to buy food yeah i need to be able to recycle them and boxes 
box art, physical stuff manage, means I can recycle things unless I want to collect, you know, a particular couple. But digital just, yeah, it would be so expensive to do that. I mean, there, there are ways around this. Obviously, me and Ross have been... Uh, You're doing a sharing them. thing, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So everything is half price straight away. Um, yeah, that's definitely a good plan. And while digital games are a little bit more expensive, um, yeah, you'd normally get to split it half and you, you basically get half the half the price. You're right, you could never trade that in and you're always kind of gambling, you know, if, if you know, this £50 game um, come, are we guaranteed that both of us want it, etc. On On digital games, especially the licensing issue, I'm really interested in where this goes now because I have about 50-odd films bought on PlayStation Store. I've got all the kids, so in, until... Disney Plus came around. I pretty much bought every Disney film because I was guaranteed that I was going to get my money back, money money's worth out of that film. Because my kids will watch a Disney film 15, 16 times before the board of it. And that's 15, 16 times of two hours of complete not to peace and quiet, which <laughs> I found to be a very good investment for just like 10 pounds <laughs> for whatever it was to buy the movie. Now, they're obviously getting Sony again rid of that streaming service, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, but they do say that you will still be able to stream movies after they close down their store. They're just going to stop selling them. But I don't know how long that's going to be for. And I'm going to mm. be disappointed if that ends. Um, especially because you could buy a PlayStation movie on the PlayStation store and stream it on your mobile. You could stream it on uh, PS4, PS5, PS Vita. You know, all of these places you could stream your movies. And it meant that I could have many different screens so if i go to a caravan or whatever and the kids go oh i want to watch harry potter i've got harry potter so it's fine but like you say it is a bit of a warning warning trend because if you look back at the some of the stuff that we've lost because of licensing it is disappointing um and you look at um like um pt scott pilgrim Scott, yeah, these things we ended up buying twice because the digital storefront just disappeared or we didn't buy at all and we just lost the ability to purchase them. You know, you look at some of the, the old, I mean, they're not classics, but, you know, you look at the X-Men Destiny game that got, you know, Silicon Knights had that big hoo-ha. The games got pulled off the shelf. It disappeared off digital marketplace. It's, it's stuff like that that, like, for a conservationist, and that's why I... I'm glad about the kind of Square Enix remakes because at least we're getting old games remade. And I hope this this is kind of a thing that happens and that they aren't too expensive. But you're right. You know, there, there is a worry about conservation of games moving forward if digital becomes the primary media source. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I, don't, see, I don't see the public going back. I think 85% is where it's going to stay now. I didn't mean to bum you out, Sean. It's okay. I'm just like <laughs> the, the thing is, having having lived with digital only for years, it's not really affected me that much. I only ever really play a game once through to completion, and maybe a one hundred percent if if I if I really like it. But you know, the fact that some someday I might go back and go, hey, I really want to play Skyrim, and Skyrim might not be available despite the fact that I bought it four times in the past would be kind of devastating, you know? So we'll see. And I just hope that this digital future is, is more accommodating than digital has always been up until this point. 
because you know it can suck. Anyway, shall we move on and do an indie corner? Let's do that. So there, there are three games that I wanted to talk about in the indie corner today, and I think um, Toby might have some additions to this too. Um, so the first game I wanted to talk about was called Horatama, which is a horror game, and it's all about taking care of virtual pets that are like Tamagotchis. So you basically have a screen with them on and you take care of their needs. They ask for food and you give them food, play with them, etc. But if if you happen to make them upset or angry, they will break out of the game and force you to do spooky tasks on the screen. It's a pretty cool concept. It looks like it's a bit of fun. It's you know it's not going to be the deepest game you play this week, but it looks like it could be a, a, a bit of a blast for a little bit. So that game is called Horatama. Um, I, want to know, I want to know what the tasks are. Like, it, when it breaks out of the game, does it ask you to cut your mother or something? Like, <laughs> no, it's like it... on-screen on tasks. Like... Okay. <laughs> like, what are the things it asks you to do? Because that is the plot of a horror movie right there. Yes. It's like, ch- like Chucky breaks out of the game and tells to tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. So some of, some of the tasks that I've seen, it do, like you, you have to draw a coffin on the screen or click these eyes that keep popping up all over the screen. Right. Um, right. So it's not, it's not particularly scary horror. Um, but, but, I took that concept somewhere else, didn't I? Okay. But I mean, to be fair, if it did that, that would be so much better. <laughs> like, I can see you. Yeah, I can see you. If you don't do what I say, I'm going to reveal your uh, internet history to your parents. Oh my you god! Know? Do you know what I mean? That kind of a game would be fucking terrifying. Yes. Yes. Um, and we now know that you've got some embarrassing things in your screen history. <laughs> anyway, don't we all? <laughs> okay. So oh. the second. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most unbelievable no i've ever heard <laughs> um okay second game is called tasamachi now i think toby you might have written about this one yeah put um, it on one of the indie um lists this game so if, if you've if you've not heard of this game just go and search it it's tasamachi um it is gorgeous like insanely gorgeous and um, having read Toby's list, it didn't click with me until I actually saw the trailer and went, I've seen this before somewhere. And it was in Toby's article about the, I think it was Steam Festival. Yeah. Um, but basically this game is a, a game about a young girl who travels around in this airship and she arrives at this oriental town that seems a bit run down. Um, she breaks down and she ends up having to get out and try and fix her airship in this town but the town is completely empty apart from these like cat-like species um it's an adventure game um that looks incredibly detailed with an amazing art style just go and watch the trailer just go and google the trailer trailer for tasamachi it looks great and the last game i wanted to talk about was called it's called t minus 30 and this is from a group of developers so it's from dejuban games Great Alien Games, who did the awesome Ancient Enemy, uh, like a solitaire game. And they are working with Superhot Presents, the indie fund that Superhot put out. So this game is a like a survival game, um, like a world, world, sorry, a base building survival game. The, the premise is that the world is ending in half an hour and you have that time, so 30 minutes, to scavenge the post-apocalyptic landscape to build like infrastructures, uh, grow crops, generate power, assemble rockets, and then 
bungle as many people onto these rockets as you can within the half an hour. It's a brilliant, brilliant concept that's kind of taken this whole base building thing that like strategy games have had and you know the, the city builders and distilled this into like a 30 minute runtime. And I'm just a big fan of this concept. It sounds like a really great idea. And I'm really excited to see this game when it releases later on this year on PC. So that was T minus 30. Um, Toby, you are currently playing a game called Red Robin. And, um, Red Ronin even. Sorry, did I just say Red Robin? Um, you're currently playing a game called Red Ronin. I am super jealous because I've been following this game's development for about a year. And when we got the Steam code and I had already got like eight games <laughs> myself, I was a bit good. Could you, you, should just... have, you should have taken it. No, no, um, you give us a little preview about what it's about. Yeah, uh, without obviously, you know, covering in the embargo that I should keep under embargo. Um, yeah, it's a very cool looking uh, puzzle game, sort of. It's a, it's like an ice block puzzle. So, you know, everyone's played these ice block puzzle games where you shift a piece of ice across the place and it slides along and hits a wall or another block or whatever. You have to keep moving it around, but all you can use is the walls and the blocks to do so. Um, it's basically that, but you replace the ice block with um, your red ninja. And she has to navigate across the rooms, um, sliding and slashing her way through these puzzle levels um, to, to win the game. Essentially, is kind of doing a puzzle game version of Hotline Miami um, with like this, you know, slaughter fest thing going on at the same time. And everything's very, you know, everything's very gory and bloody, but it's basically ice block puzzles. Um, and I just, yeah, was very impressed that they've managed to um, make ice block puzzles interesting, you know, without without going into what I'm going to, you know, review it as and, and how, I, how I've played it. it. It's just interesting to be able to say that, you know, you've replaced the ice block with a ninja and you've made a game. I think it's pretty class in that respect. Yeah. I've, I've been watching the development of that game. It's come on so much over the time. I, I saw it as a reply to uh, Rami Ishmael on Twitter as like, hey, this is a game I'm working on. And it looked great like a year ago. And I was super hyped to see that, you know, it was coming out soon. And then we got an email about the code. I was like, yes. And then I was like, no, I haven't got time to cover it for God's sake. I'm just <laughs> glad that you did. So uh, well, um, my review will be, I think, March 16th or 17th. Yes, my birthday. Awesome. There we go. Um, I've also got... Say again? 16th or 17th is your birthday. My birthday's on the 16th. Um, what, what was the, the other game we wanted to talk um, about? I've got one other one for Indie Corner um, called Stonefly. So this is um, a very cool little one that's only only got announced very recently. Um, it's like a... You, you play as a bug-shaped mechanoid um, that you're, you're inside. You, you play as a small person who's inside the mech, but they are basically in a bug-shaped mech. Um, and you've been... I think you've been shrunk down to the size of a bug, a bit like Grounded, but instead you've taken your mech with you, a bit like, you know, InnerVision or something. You've got a ship. Um, to uh, to go down to that size, um, and then yeah, this like this sort of chill adventure game with this beautiful cell shaded sort of felt um, style to it, and it's supposed to have quite a good story and memorable characters and stuff. You know all the things that they claim to have when you know before they come out, but we'll, we'll have to see on that kind of stuff. But it's you know you're you're tasked as your little mech to deal with the other bugs. You know there's there's little. Um, things where there's too many bugs, you know, eating a particular plant to death or whatever, and you need that plant or it's going to fall on your base or whatever the, the, the types of tasks are going to be. And you have to sort of micromanage all these little tiny ecological bug issues 
Um, and it just that has me really interested in it. I think it looks um, really beautiful and really interesting as a concept. Um, I, I like the idea of, you know, herding ladybirds and, um, you know, pushing large beetles that shouldn't be there off the sides of, um, you know, tree trunks and such. And, and you don't really kill anything, as though, judging by the um, judging by the trailers and things. You you just sort of barge these bugs around. But um, yeah, it's like it's like a sort of Pikmin thing, you know, like you're sort of herding bugs and doing little tasks around that. It looks fun. It looks really yeah. fun. I, I noticed that when I watched the trailer about them basically not killing the bugs. You're basically brushing them aside, yeah. getting them out of the way rather than you, you blow them away a lot yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, was, it was just kind of like that really stood out the fact that they've taken care not to basically give you a gun because you're playing as a mech. It'd be so easier just to turn this into a twin stick shooter and just go blast the bugs. Um, yeah. But they didn't. They, they've taken care to make this child friendly and like less violent and big fan it's of that. It's a far, far more interesting concept because it of is. It. it is. So thank you for that, Toby. Um, and uh, that was the Indie Corner for this week. Let's get on to the quiz answers. Are you guys ready? As you are. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go with question one. Who played Max Payne in the 2008 Max Payne film? Uh, Toby? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Mark. Uh, question two, Far Cry 2 takes place on which continent? To, uh, Greg? Africa. Africa is correct. Uh, question mm. three, which game holds the record for the longest development time originally beginning development in 1997 before finally releasing in 2011? Toby? It's got to be Duke Nukem Forever. That is correct. Mm. Uh, question four, the Konami code first appeared in which game? Greg? Uh, it's not. I don't think it's Contra. I think it's Gradius. It is Gradius. Well done. Oh, I think Fox. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry I said Contra last night because that's always the most common one. Yeah, it, it Contra is the game that made it famous, but it was Ingredius, yeah. Woohoo! Uh, so question five, the school in the original Sound Hill bears a striking resemblance to the school from which 1990 comedy action movie, Toby? It's Kindergarten Cop. It is Kindergarten Cop for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> it's really bizarre, that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, question six, what colour are Kirby's shoes? Uh, Greg? Uh, they're red, aren't they? They are red, yes. Cool. Uh, question seven, Hardline, Vietnam, and 2142 are all subtitles for entries in which video game series? Toby? Battlefield. Battlefield is correct. Never heard of 2142. It, yeah, it was after 1942, incidentally. That, that's how that was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, question eight. 200 years after, in fact. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, question eight, which video game is loosely based on the 14th century poem, The Divine Comedy? Uh, Greg? Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno is correct. Uh, 2B, uh, which um, near... Okay. Are you asking me the answer or what? I'm asking you the answer, yeah. What was... <laughs> 2B. Um, like, what's the answer, man? You went answer first before question. No, no, no. This is the way you, you shorthanded your, your word, your, your name for a while. So uh -huh, uh -huh. I was asking you, 2B, um, which near automata character is... Was it gas? <laughs> Final Fantasy fourteen and Soul Calibur Seven. 2B, do you know the answer? Yes, 2B. Stop saying your own name and give me the answer, for God's sake. 2B. 2B or not 2B? Uh, oh, yeah. The answer is 2B. Um, or the, the long like type, Endron, 2B, whatever it is. Um, if you wrote that down, well done. Um, you're much smarter than I am. Uh, question 10, which of these Elder Scrolls spin-off games did I make up? Was it Elder Scrolls Legends Battlespire, 
Elder Scrolls Legends Stormkey or Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Pinball. Uh, Greg? I went for Stormkey because I'm pretty sure Storm Something is another title, isn't it? It is, yeah. I made up Stormkey, yeah. Woohoo! I, <laughs> um, I took two games from the Elder Scrolls and just mashed them together. I still can't believe that Elder Scrolls bowling is is a thing that exists. Pinball. Yeah, sorry, pinball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's getting too. The pinballs one. The pinball one seemed too too off the wall to be to be made true. up. Yeah. If I was thinking that has to be true, yeah. And I went for Stormkey as well. Well done. Wow. Did we both get a ten? Yeah. Um, <laughs> congratulations, both of you. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Well, I'm gonna have to make this quiz so much harder next week. That's my first 10, I think, isn't it? No, maybe I'm, I might have had one more, one other one. Well, I'll be honest with you. Some people have done this quiz for like 90 odd episodes and still not gotten a 10. So congratulations. Well done, Toby. Well done, Greg. A clean mm. sheet for both of you. Yay. Um, only, that... one, only one real guess in there, and that was the Stormkey one. Yeah, same. Right, I well... put South Africa originally, and I was like, wait, no, continent, not country. Yeah, I don't think they ever named the country that it's in Far Cry 2. I think it's just a, a part of Africa. I think it's like a Central African nation that it doesn't ever get quite named, but yeah. Also, I think so, Kirby's feet are very they're very pink as well. They're, it, it is red, but it's like a ready pink. Yeah, but it's still red. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at, I looked at a picture of him after I'd sent you the answers, and I was like, it's pink there, isn't it? <laughs> But you still wrote down red. Yeah, I wrote down red pink, actually. If you look back at the um if you, if you look back at what I've sent you, it says yeah. red pink. Yeah, so well done both. Uh so all that's left to do this week is out this week. Toby, do you have cool. a list of what's coming out this week? I do. Uh so today is the seventh on recording and the eighth when this goes out and you can listen to it. Um, so starting on the 8th of March, um, there's nothing coming out, nothing whatsoever. So we'll go to the March, uh, March the 9th instead. Um, Pacer is coming out on Xbox One. It's been out on a few other systems already, but it's coming to Xbox One. Uh, Stronghold Warlords is coming to PC. And there's a Apex Legends um, new season coming. And, and it's also coming to Switch as well. So I'm not sure if it's only a new season coming to Switch or if it's the whole game coming to Switch all of a sudden. Um, then on March the 10th, just a single game again. It's a pretty light week this week, actually. Uh, Star Renegades, which is that indie um, turn-based uh, sort of sci-fi adventure, is coming to PS4, um, but it's already been on Game Pass and Steam and such on, uh, as well already. Then on March 11th, we've got Monster Energy Supercross 4. Uh, not sure what that's coming to on that day. I think it's coming to everything. PC, PS4, and PS5. And Xbox, yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, Cyanide and Happiness Freak Apocalypse. It's harder to say than I thought. Uh, Freak Apocalypse is coming to Steam on March 11th. Uh, Doodle Devil 3 Revolution is coming to PC and Switch. And lastly, a game called Astelia Royal is coming to Steam. And, and then the last day of any note for this week is March 12th um, when we've got the, a game called Heaven Dust coming to Xbox One, Crash Bandicoot 4 It's About Time coming to PS5, so the PS5 edition, uh, an indie game called Pascal's Wager uh, coming to Steam, 
Journey of the Broken Circle, which was out on Steam before, is coming to Xbox One. And that's it. That is everything. It's actually a very quiet week. Yeah, everyone's getting out of the way of Crash Bandicoot 4, obviously. Yeah, but that's already out, isn't it? It's... Yeah, I think this this week was it's a bit of a, a bit of an non-event. Cyanide and happiness. Very... Yeah. That's that's my that's my favorite for this week. Cyanide and happiness. We've been offered a review code, but I just genuinely have no time to do all of these games, goddammit. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I really like the Cyanide and Happiness car- cartoons, you know, the little shorts and whatnot. So um that game looks like it's gonna tie into that very well. So look out for that one. We did it, guys. We did it, we did another podcast. Woo. Please Quite come back, one. Ross. Please come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you very much if you've listened to this podcast. All of our links are in the description below. We have a Patreon, should you want to keep this podcast going. Um, you can find us if you just go to Patreon and search for Finger Guns. That's us. We're also on Twitch, and Greg's also on tri- Twitch. And uh, Greg is on Bob. He's been doing incredibly well, and he's actually a good watch. I don't normally oh, like thanks. watching people on Twitch. Um but I actually did enjoy watching you play um, what it was called. This sword. Ghost Runner? That's it, Ghost Runner. Oh, that was frustrating. It was very fun, though, um, because you could <laughs> tell, like, the I, I don't want to, like, this is crap podcast talk, but the, the I, I, people can see the, the solution to the way forward, and you are desperate to do it your own way. And I, I absolutely admire the way that you play that game. Oh, so we're doing it wrong then? Oh, okay. No, no, it's like there's like <laughs> this huge like yellow arrows on a wall, like saying wall run along here, and you're like, I'm gonna bat this fucking asshole with this dash maneuver. And you, <laughs> you eventually do, but it's like five or six deaths later, and it's like, follow the arrows, Greg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was just it was it was very fun to watch you play that game. I agree. I was watching uh Dark Souls 3, wasn't it, just a day or two ago? That's Friday, that was yeah. A lot of fun as well. it's actually Though, though you're very good at Sekiro, and I'm sure you're good at Dark Souls 3 as well, but it was actually, it was good to see a few fails at the same the, time the, because... The, yeah, yeah because it, make, it, it makes me think, okay, I can actually probably play that one. Whereas if I'd only watched you play Sekiro and I never played it myself, I would have been like, wow, they, you know, it's either that he's really, really good at it or it's just so, you know, it's just too hard to play it if you're not that skilled, if you know what I mean. Um, well, I'm, playing, I'm playing both this week, so... Cool. I might check out Dark Souls 3 again. Cool. That will be possibly Saturday night because I'm doing something Friday. Cool. And I also want to mention uh, Ross's album, uh, Walking Home From Nowhere. It's out on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music and all that kind of stuff. Um, so give it a search, give it a listen. There's some there's some great tracks on there. And uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate give, people giving it a listen while he's laid up. Um, but um, yeah, that's it for this week. I think we, we've done all right. I'm sorry that this isn't as fluid and as uh, awesome as it usually is. And that mouth, my mouth is completely fucking awful. But it's me mouth, me, uh, me schnout. Finger buns. Finger Ooh. buns. And it's fucking like third word that I had to say. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's a goodbye from me. And uh, Greg, are you going to yes, steal Toby's? No, it's also a goodbye from me. Oh, okay. Toby, oh, you do like finish. You just steal Toby's <laughs> lame, badly pronounced Japanese farewell. Well, so in that case, it's sayonara. a goodbye from me as well. <laughs> I just, I'm just carrying the cascade of being mean because. What am I supposed it. to say? Like, how am I supposed to pronounce it? Go on. Properly. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sean, Sean started this.
<laughs> I didn't start nothing. Okay. Wait, are you going to steal Toby's? <laughs> yeah, because, because like, okay. Okay. I did it Bye. once. I did it once. Bye. <laughs>